Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. I am your host, Kamari T. Richmond, and I have another wonderful show for you this evening. We are talking to Melanie Gamble, and she is a broker and owner of Remax Supreme. She is also the principal broker for 212 Degrees Reality, LLC. And this is a this is a busy woman. She's also the African American uh, Association of REO Brokers Incorporated. And so I'm going to ask you about all of that. And welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kamaria. It is my pleasure to be here. Now, give us your journey. You've 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 started. Um, I mean, to become an entrepreneur, that's something that I think you're born with. But tell us how you got to that point. Well, I believe you're absolutely right. And I moved to the metropolitan D.C. area in 2000. I had a great job at the Washington Post. And a year into that position, I took a real estate course and really fell in love with the business. And I would say six months into actually uh, having achieved my license and actually practicing, you know, part-time on the weekends and after work, my husband convinced me to leave my corporate job, my comfortable job (laughs) at the Washington Post, and to um, just really launch out into being my own boss, he he used to always say to me, you know, he said, as hard as you work for everyone else, surely if you put that same amount of energy into working for yourself, you're going to be successful. And he was right. So here I am 15 years later. (laughs) Absolutely right. Now, what did it, what was it about real estate? Maria, that part is a really, really long story, (laughs) but I will, (laughs) I have summed it up to say that real estate actually is an inheritance from my grandmother. Not that, not that she was in the business, but the journey that I took to get to this point all led and started with my grandmother. So... I really have to give her credit. This is my maternal grandmother. So I really have to give her credit for me getting into the business and and just wanting to learn more and more about it. That is great when you have so much support. And we know that grandmothers are really special women. Yes. <laughs> we learn a lot for them uh, from them. Now tell us about Remax Supreme because you are the broker and owner. Yes. So before I go into Remax Supreme, I would have to tell you about 212 Degrees Realty, which is really my baby that was born in 2009 out of 
about that I'd had with breast cancer. So as you know, the market crashed in 2008. Most people who were in the real estate industry, the mortgage industry, um, either we were still in the industry and doing our best to survive or we had looked for other forms of employment to sustain ourselves. And so in 2009, in March of 2009, actually, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I found myself unable to work pretty much the remainder of the year because I had to have a partial mastectomy, I had to go through chemotherapy, and then also radiation. So towards the end of 2009, when it was time for me to start looking to go back into real estate, my husband, again, encouraged me to start my own company. And at that point, I was like, no. My husband's like, yeah, I think you probably should. I really think you should just be the broker. I really think you should be the broker. And so, again, on his advice, um, I had already taken the classes to obtain my broker's license. It was just a matter of activating it. So I activated my broker's license, and I started 212 Degrees Realty. That was in 2009. Fast forward to 2014, where I'd come to a place. So five years in, people say that if you can make make it in your business for five years, you're a success, right? <laughs> so we're five years in, and I said, okay. I looked to my husband again, and I say, okay. So either we need to go big or go home. And so. We looked at a lot of different franchises that were in the area, and I am a former REMAX agent, so prior to the market crash and prior to me having to be out on a sabbatical, I was with a REMAX franchise. Okay. So I was very familiar with the brand, really liked the brand. But I did. I interviewed you know, all of the franchises that were available for purchase just to make sure that I was making the very best decision not only for me, but for the agents, because I am very agent-centric, you know, very focused on the agents, making sure that it is the best fit for the, for the type of agent that I want, which is a top-producing agent. And so REMAX ended up being the best fit for that type of agent. And so in July of 2014, we signed the papers to open up our first location in Bowie, Maryland, which we launched that in December once our space was built out and everything. So we, we launched that, and then the Lord has really blessed us, and we've been able to um, – we saw an opportunity become available at the National Harbor, and uh, which is in Oxon Hill, Maryland, and we we took advantage of that opportunity back in – actually July of 2015, and we are actually Friday of this week, February the 26th, we are having our grand opening of that location because the space is now ready down there. It's been built out. So <laughs> so that's where we are. That is amazing. Okay, yeah. so we have, we have a good grandmother, and we have a good <laughs> husband. Yes. <laughs> is with you following your passion. Congratulations. That is such a good story because Thank you. You just 
just kind of walked out on faith and, you know, thank God that you have been cancer-free. So congratulations on that. Yes, yes, thank God. Thank you, thank you. uh, And so to be able to get that uh, into your story, that is absolutely fabulous, as we say, (laughs) the stroke of evil. (laughs) And I wanted to talk about, too, uh, being an African-American or having the African-American of REO brokers. Tell us about that. Sure. So when I launched my business in 2009, the market had definitely shifted. And, you know, if you've ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? You know, the, the cheese had definitely been moved. Right. <laughs> so, so I was looking um, – and where you know, well, where's the cheese? And it was really with the bank-owned properties. Um, what we coin in the industry is REO, which stands for real estate owned. But they're really just bank-owned properties, um, also known as foreclosures. And so that's where the majority of the listings were headed, and especially in the area in which I live. And so. I had had a little bit of experience with the REO industry when I was with Remax. I had an agent who had a couple of REO accounts. Wasn't quite sure where to pick up, but I ran into a woman who I saw had some REO accounts, and I asked her, I said, well, you know, how do you get into the business? So I will tell you, it's a, it's a, really, really guarded secret. It's not something that people share with you freely, not often. Interesting. And she she didn't give much information. What she said was, oh, you know, an agent in my office went to a conference, and the next thing I know, we started getting listings. So, Kamaria, I'm the kind of person, you don't have to give me much. So the fact that she let me know that there were conferences that I could attend <laughs> Because I didn't even know that they had conferences. So I was like, oh, they're conferences. So the first thing I did was when I got home that evening is I Googled REO conference. (laughs) And all of these conferences came up, right? And so the first conference I ever attended was a five-star conference that's held in Dallas, Texas every year. It's the largest REO conference in the United States. Um, it's, It's the largest gathering of servicers and asset managers, all the people that you would want to meet to be able to get in with, you know, with the banks. So I go to this conference and, you know, I'm handing out cards and I'm taking every training class possible. And I'm just doing everything that I possibly can to learn this business. And then I start learning about organizations to apply for and I start applying to all these organizations. And I I started making some headway, and I was started becoming accepted, and I started receiving accounts, and I started receiving assignments, and it was it's all great. But the one thing that I found in this industry is that it is still very much a white male dominated industry, and the way that I believe one of the ways that I was able to get in was the fact that I am an African-American woman. And one of the things that 
President Obama did um, in 2009 was he he put out a directive with Dodd-Frank, and I'm sure you've heard the term, even if you don't know everything that it means, but in that in that Dodd-Frank bill, essentially it says with the dissemination of these assets that the banks were, as they were liquidating, that they had to include women and minorities. That? And so... No, okay, okay. Yes. And so I was very thankful, again, having listened to my husband, because here I am, I'm a woman and a minority, and I own the company. So... <laughs> So it was really, um, I wouldn't say it was a slam dunk because there's still obstacles that you have to overcome. But, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to make the right connections. And it was even easier, I believe, because people were able to check the necessary boxes to say, okay, yes, you know, let's let her in. Um, But in saying all of that, I just found still that there was such a – lack of information that was being uh, disseminated to African Americans. I mean, and when you look at the African American and the Latino community, our communities were the ones that were the most heavily impacted by the mortgage crisis that we had just gone through. And right. so I I just felt the the necessity to create an organization where REO brokers, as well as consumers, could get information about what was going on or what is going on in the community and what's going on in the industry. That is fantastic. I mean, kudos to you. And they talk about Dodd-Frank, but I just only kind of get the gist of it. I didn't know that that was part of it. And I know President Obama, you know, he's just you know, he has the market, you know, up and running again. So was it easy uh, to begin to hire more minorities? Or are we still at that point where, you know, we still have we still have a ways to go, especially if it's still a male-dominated area? Yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily easier. Um, I would just say that, it was there you know there's still barriers to entry right so if it's not a if it's not an industry barrier meaning that you don't have the knowledge or you don't have the the network then it's a financial barrier because with taking on bank owned properties depending on who your client is oftentimes they look for you to connect utilities in your name, um, have minor repairs done, and then they want you to invoice them, and then you turn around and you have to wait for the reimbursement. So that might not sound like a whole lot, but let's just take, we'll take my portfolio, for example. So right now I have over 100 properties that I'm managing for various clients. So We'll just we'll keep it round numbers. So let's just say 100 properties, and it, let's just say I had to get a light bill turned on for all 100. I mean, get I'm sorry, have utilities turned on for all 100, and I received a, an electric bill, let's say for $50, for all 100. 
that's $5,000 that I need to have available. And that's just one example I can give you. I mean, I know agents who have had literally hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting out waiting on reimbursement. Well, you know, for a lot of small businesses, that's a barrier to entry because a lot of us, you know, we just wouldn't have that kind of capital or lines of credit or whatever it would take to get the job done. So there are still, at times, there are still barriers to entry. Now, I'm glad that I'm I'm talking to you this evening because I wanted to find out, you know, how the market is doing and how, you know, your your company or real estate actually works. Now, that's something that, of course, not being in the industry, you know, that you are actually putting some of that money up front is really, I would think, challenging for a lot of small businesses. Yes. Yeah, do you get help if you're a small business from uh, grants or um, what's the other word I'm looking for, but some kind of assistance through the government? No, no, not – well, let me just say I'm not aware of any, um, not for this type of business. Okay. I will say that some of my clients are, they recognize that there may be an issue. So, you know, if I ever receive a bill for over $1,000 or, you know, if there's a major repair for like, you know, over $5,000, depending on what it is, we can always request for the client to pay pay directly. But the reality is when they are hiring you, they want you to take on all of that responsibility and they want to be billed. That's the reality. And so those are things that are often looked at. And, you know, sometimes brokers are scared to say, oh, well, you know, I really don't have the money to pay, (laughs) to pay your bills this month. (laughs) You know, um, because they're scared that, you know, that they won't receive any more assets. Okay, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> that makes complete sense. Because, yeah. you know, with, with, with the market, anything can happen. Or with each, you know, sale, anything can happen. Because I would think that's when you get into, like, the short sales and, you know, those kinds of things. When the market tanks, what should we have been looking for? And now that it's you know it's it's coming up and up and up, what should we be looking for? Well, Kamaria, it's it's funny that you mention this. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually writing a book that is coming out in a couple of months. It's going to be it's going to talk about exactly the, what you just asked. What happened and what do we need to do because it can potentially happen again. Why do I say that? Because Bank of America just announced a new mortgage program that they're releasing that's only requiring 3% down and they're not going to have any mortgage insurance on it, right? So that's huge for somebody who, because FHA requires 
3.5% down, and they require mortgage insurance. And mortgage insurance sometimes can be the difference of of someone being able to get the home that they want or having to drop the price of the home by 20, 30, 40, you know, sometimes $100,000. It just depends on your price bracket. And so there are a myriad of things that got us to where we are. I will tell you, if you've not seen the movie The Big Short, go see it. It's it's a pretty good synopsis of what happened. <laughs> I, I and what I... Yeah, and what I tell people to look out for is all of those subprime lending is what got us in this mess. And to think that it will not be tried again, people would be foolish. Because I literally see things every day that come across my plate where, you know, there there are no money down loans that are actually coming back now. I've seen them. So are the lending restrictions a little higher? Yes. You know, do you are they verifying more? Yes. But there's still people out there who may have 750, 800 credit score that have very little cash and can still get into a home. And who's to say that something happens and they they don't just walk away? Did you think about it? I mean, that's what happened before. People had people had little to no skin in the game. Sometimes people would go to closing and get money back at the table. I mean, think about this, Kamaria. You're buying a $300,000 house. Not only do you not have to bring any money to the table, I'll give you a check for $5,000. Really? Hey. Wow. So what, so what sense of... I mean, there's nothing that's tied me to the, you know, other than the fact that I signed my name, right? And I made a commitment saying that I was going to repay. But I mean, I mean, think about that though, seriously. And that's, people were signing up for that. It, I mean, it was so challenging, and you know, with so many people losing, you know, your heart can kind of went out for that. But so should we say, you know, those that were saying, okay, your credit is good, so you can get in, you know, what was it that, you know, when people just said, yes, like, okay, make it this money, but then next year, you know, my mortgage is going to be, you know, like another, like you were saying, another thousand or a couple hundred thousand up. So it was like everyone. Yeah was paying, you didn't pay now, you paid later, and then it was hard to uh, kind of catch up. I think it just took people by surprise. You know, you could get in with nothing, and, you know, in the next year, your mortgage has, you know, doubled or tripled. Yeah, well, the the old adage is still very true. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. It is. And so you had people getting in at what, you know, what they call teaser rates or loss leader rates where they told you for the first six months, year, sometimes two years, you're only going to have to pay 1% interest, 2% interest. Your mortgage payment was nothing 
compared to what it was going to be. But what used to always amaze me is that there are people that were barely qualifying at these teaser rates. You're barely qualifying at a teaser rate, and then you would have the mortgage broker say, oh, don't worry about it, you can just refinance. That's what got us in trouble. Okay. Because people are saying, oh, don't worry about it, you can just refinance. You know, because home prices were soaring. I mean, home prices were going through the roof. So you would have somebody, I mean, I actually know someone, I don't know them personally, but I know of a story, that, and this happened in Northern Virginia, where someone went to new construction, they put down a contract on a house, like when a community first opened. By the time their house was built, the home price had gone up $150,000. $150,000 from the time the person put a contract on the house until the house was actually built. So what did they do? Do you think that they moved into the house? No, of course not. They went to settlement on the house, and they sold it. They pocketed the money. That is sad. And but I'm... those are those are the kind of things that were that were happening. That's how that's how quickly the market was going up. And so people saw that, and they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I should be able to refinance. Yeah, it shouldn't be a problem." And then what happened? The bubble burst. The bubble right. burst, and people's homes were worth way less than what they ever thought that they would be. I mean, I I have condos that I sold for $200,000. Literally, right now, they're selling for $40,000. That is unreal. And I guess, you know, people just kind of said, well, you know, everyone wants a home. Just just about everyone wants a home. It's, you know, it's your investment, you know, and, and I think when you when you heard like the teasers, you're like, okay, I can do it. But on the back end, that some of the brokers know, or some of the companies know, okay, had the market started shifting enough for people to say, okay, I'm going to let them get in here, but I know within a year they're not going to be able to afford it or to refinance. Was something like that going on and, you know, some of those distressing? You know, I I can't really say what was going on in the minds of some of the mortgage brokers. I can tell you personally, I've had clients where I questioned their loan officer. Um, I had a client in particular, I'll never forget, her front-end ratio, meaning what, what her um, income is, versus what her mortgage payment was going to be, was 45%. Typically, they don't like for that ratio to be more than 28%, right? That was her front-end ratio. Her back-end ratio, meaning all of her debt, was 56%. It's It's not supposed to be that high. I mean, essentially what they're saying, what that's saying is 50%, 56%, of her income was going to go to paying um, to paying this mortgage. And I remember saying to the loan officer, how can you approve this loan? There's no way that she's going to be able to afford this loan. 
And he's like, no, no, she qualifies. You know, we've already got it approved. Da, da, da. I even said to the to my client, I don't think you should go uh, go you know forward with this. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't see how you're going to be able to afford this mortgage. And her response to me was that her dad was going to help her pay the mortgage and for me not to worry about it. As long as she could get the approval, she could get it paid. Don't worry about it. I said, okay. Within a year, she was in foreclosure. And that's that teaser, right? Yeah. That's working with you and says, yeah. okay, it's not a good idea. I mean, anything yeah. can happen to mom or dad. Yep. And, you know, you're just put in that bind, you know, unless you have some other family members that are going to step up. But at that rate, how can you say yes? Yeah, well, you know, people... It, it just seemed like everybody was buying a home. And, of course, owning a home is it really is the American dream. I mean, who who doesn't want to own a home? Right, absolutely. And it seemed like they were giving them away. So, <laughs> so why not? <laughs> right, well, I might as well get one. Exactly. <laughs> They're just popping up all over the place. I know so-and-so can't afford one, but, hey, I might be able Exactly. <laughs> Now tell us more about your book. It's coming out in a couple of months. It is. Oh, yep. I know you yep. can't all the details, but give us a <laughs> teaser. <laughs> yeah, well, teaser. you know, I I have not been discussing it at all. I'm surprised that I blurted it out this evening, but I think because of everything that we're talking about and the questions that you're asking me, it's like, this is everything I'm talking about in my book. It really is. And so because I do have such a passion for people and for, you know, my community specifically that I I see the trends. I see the things that are starting to come back into the marketplace again. And I just want people to know, beware, buyer beware, like seriously, Buyer beware. You know, real estate brokers get a bad name. They say, oh, you guys, all you want to do is sell us a home. You know, you don't care about us. And that's so not true. I mean, are there a few bad apples out there? Sure, I'm sure there are. But that, And that's with any industry. You know, you can pick any industry, and there's always one professional that gives that industry a bad name. But overall, the brokers that I know, they sincerely care about the people that they serve. They sincerely care about the communities in which they live in. You know, nobody wants to drive down the street and see vacant homes or see blighted buildings. Nobody wants to, you know, I don't like having to go knock on people's doors and tell them that their house has been foreclosed on and the bank is offering them relocation assistance. I mean, you know, those aren't pleasant tasks that we have to do. But I just felt compelled um, for several reasons. But I will tell you one thing really quickly, Kamaria, and that is in July of last year, I received a letter in the mail. So you've um, overcome an illness, and so I'm sure you would know what it feels like. I I had gone for my annual mammogram, and then I received a letter in the mail saying that 
I need to come in for additional testing. And from the day that I received that letter until I actually went in for the additional testing and for them to tell me that it was clear, I mean, I had so many thoughts going through my head, as you could only imagine. And the one thing that I said is, you know what, Lord, you put me here for a reason. You've allowed me to live this long for a reason. There's more work that you have for me to do, and I really need to get to the doing. And one of the things that I know that he had placed inside of me was to write this book. And it was supposed to have been written probably two years ago. But I said, you know what, no more. I'm going to do it. And that's I've been diligently working on it. And as a matter of fact, I just met with my publicist today. And we are on track to um, have a release date of, um, around the middle of May. So. That is absolutely fabulous. Congratulations. Thank you. you. Because, thank you, know, you. Thank you. You know, sharing your story, you know, it's, it's definitely going to impact a lot of people. And for you, you, you surviving breast cancer and still pushing on to, you know, having your company grow and now writing a book. And this is the right time for the book. So it came, you know, it came at the right time. It came yeah. When, yeah, it came when it was when it was supposed to which is, I mean, that is such a blessing. You're going to touch so many different lives. Thank you. It's definitely going to be amazing. So we have the book coming up. Now, are you, do you have any other workshops coming up? Are you speaking at any more events? What do you have coming up? What's next? I know we have the other location, which is... (laughs) Kudos. Like that should be enough, right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> still working, working. Yep. I am actually um, scheduled to speak at Womanpreneur 2016. That's being held in Dallas, Texas, um, April the 1st and the 2nd. And I'm also scheduled to speak at the Power Networking Conference. Um, It's George Frazier's conference. It's going to be held actually in Maryland for the first time, down at the National Harbor. Yay! Yay! Uh, (laughs) Yep, it's going to be held um, down at the National Harbor, um, and that's in May, at the end of May. So, Great. um, Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so those are um, those are two events that I have uh, coming up. And tell us one more time about the opening of this new location. Yep, Remax Supreme, our second location, we are opening on Friday, February 26th at 6 p.m. And um, the address is 6710 Oxen Hill Road in Oxen Hill, Maryland. And Melanie, how can people reach you? What's the best way? Give us all your social media sites. (laughs) I'm pretty consistent. I always joke and I say, you know, um, on Twitter I am Melanie Gamble. On LinkedIn I'm Melanie Gamble. On Facebook I'm Melanie Gamble. Um, (laughs) So I'm not, you know, uh, and that's one thing that they they teach you in marketing and branding is that you want to be consistent. You want your brand and your message to be consistent. You know, you don't want to be Melanie Gamble on Facebook and then you're, you know, 
somebody somebody <laughs> else on Twitter and somebody you know it's like who are you so so I, I try to be consistent I, I'm I'm Melanie Gamble all across the board so um, yeah so please feel free to um, reach out to me on Twitter LinkedIn Facebook um, and Melanie is spelled M E L A N I E and last name is G-A-M-B-L-E. So I'm at Melanie Gamble. And Melanie, quickly before we uh, we uh, finish up here, when you are looking for new new agents or someone that wants to help grow your business, what should they be looking for and what do you look for? Well, I look for top producing agents. I look for agents who are, let's just say, um, you know, they're at they're at what they consider great, but they want even greater. I want to help people bring out whatever their passion is. I want to help them develop that, and I want to help take them to the next level. So, you know, I have an agent who really likes working with buyers. So I do all I can to help her with, you know, working with buyers, giving her strategies, um, talking points, whatever she needs, you know, I'm there to support. I have another agent who she's a luxury uh, marketing guru, right? So conferences that she wants to attend or, you know, any training, anything that she needs, you know, we're here to support and try to help in any way that we can. So what I look for is I look for people who are team players, who, like I said, they're they're top producing. REMAX is not an organization where you can come and just hang your license and not produce. They're not set up like that from a corporate level, and they're definitely <laughs> – uh, we're all locally, you know, independently owned and operated, and I can tell you I'm definitely not set up like that. You know, this is not a place that you can just come and hang your license and, and you know, drink coffee. No. Right, you know, every everyone here is producing, you know. Absolutely. And yeah. so I wanted to get that out there before we hung up, because when I look at your work, you are very passionate. You're reaching out and doing great things for the community, and it's just not, you're just, everyone's just not producing, but you're also giving back at the same time, and I just think that that's phenomenal. Yes. Really, yes. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention um, one other event in April is um, the Corporate Leadership and Power Networking Conference that's being held at Microsoft uh, in Northern Virginia, where I'll, I will be speaking there as well. That's April the 28th. Great. And people have yep. all the contact information, and all of your events are posted on all of your sites? They are. Okay. Yep, they are. And yep. your, um, your company uh, email, if someone wants to contact the company. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's Remax Supreme DMV at gmail.com. That's Remax Supreme DMV at gmail.com. And is there a phone number for folks to reach out? Sure, it's 301 851 
5140. Great. Awesome. So I want to thank you, Melanie Gamble, for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. I was excited because I knew that there were great things happening in the market. And, you know, and personally, I just want to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've given me, like, a lot of light, and I'm sure our guests, too, a lot of clarity on what was happening in the market and what's happening now. And so I have a guest that says, uh, great show. So we thank you, guests, for tuning in, logging in, and listening to the show. And you have Melanie's contact information. So I am going to say definitely, definitely, definitely connect with her. And we're excited waiting for this new book. So I'm holding you to it in about a couple of months. And then you'll have to come back on the show and and tell us about it. Would love to. Would love to. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in this evening. Share the show with your network www.talkshoe.com slash tc slash 115759. We definitely want to share this information because it's very important and very powerful. So I'm going to say have a fabulous week, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.